policeman or a police woman. Uh, you know, you have a good and healthy relationship with a cop. I wonder if there's anyone out there like that. I used to play footy at Alexandra Football Club, and for a while it was Ian who coached our footy team. And he was one of the few policemen in our town that kind of enforced law, you know, kept, kept the peace, if you will. And uh, I used to get along with him really, really well. It was fantastic. It was a great perk. I'd always say g'day to him if I saw him down the street, have a bit of a chat with him. Um, you know, it was just nice having him around, enforcing the law. When I was pulled over for a random breath test and, uh, you know, the policeman walks up beside you, you get a bit nervous, I'd look out the window, I'd see Ian, I'd go, ah, oh, great, Ian. Say, g'day, Wixie, how you doing? Oh, good, mate, how are you? And oh, I yeah, just want a breath test and I'd blow in and blow in and blow in and that's it. And I'd blow 0.05 and then let me go every time. It's great. <laughs> Not at all. Another joke. Good, you're kind of going well, isn't it? <laughs> I'd blow zero, of course. And uh, he'd say, see you later. And it's like, oh, nice to see you, Ian. And uh, we'll see you around the place. See you on Tuesday night for footy training. Um, Ian was my mate. And I just, it was good having him around, enforcing the law. Now, my relationship wasn't the same as everybody else in that town. There were other people who really, really didn't want to see Ian. They actually kind of hated him, really. They'd be driving down the road, they'd get pulled over by the police, and they'd be very, very nervous. And if they saw Ian walk up to them and say, G'day, how you going? You know, like, that would invoke fear into their very, the centre of their being. Because they had something to be worried about. For a start, they weren't friends with Ian, and uh, they knew that it was possible that maybe this time they'd be caught for something and held to account and maybe punished and kind of sent off somewhere for what they had done. Some people were on the wrong side, if you like, of Ian. And they had reason to be worried. Now, in tonight's reading from the Bible, we'll hear about a similar thing. We'll hear about the moment in the future of each of our lives when God catches up with us. When each person is finally judged by God for the things we have done in our lives. To use a metaphor of the policeman, when he finally, when God finally pulls us over and we're forced to blow our lives through God's perfect judgment breathalyzer if you like. And the question I want us to think about is, tonight, is when your life's finally pulled over uh, to the edge of life's road, God walks up beside your car, beside your life, and he's about to hold you into account for the things you've done, will you be happy to see God? You know, will you rejoice because you know him? You know, because he's actually a friend of yours or will dread and fear fill your entire being? Like when the, a police officer pulls you over and you know you've done something wrong. Of course, that would be none of us here. Well, our reading comes from is Psalm 97. 
So if you want to, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to that. It's about in the middle of the good book. Psalm 97. The Lord reigns. Let the earth be glad. Let the distant shores rejoice. Clouds and thick darkness surround him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Fire goes before him and consumes his foes on every side. His lightning lights up the world. The earth sees and trembles. The mountains melt like wax before the Lord, before the Lord of all the earth. The heavens proclaim his righteousness and all the peoples see his glory. All who worship images are put to shame. Those who boast in idols, worship him, all you gods. Zion hears and rejoices, and the villages of Judah are glad because of your judgments, O Lord. For you, O Lord, are the most high over all the earth. You are exalted far above all gods. Let those who love the Lord hate evil, for he guards the lives of his faithful ones and delivers them from the hand of the wicked. Light is shed upon the righteous and joy on the upright in heart. Rejoice in the Lord, you who are righteous, and praise his holy name. This is the first of two psalms we're going to look at, one tonight and the other one next Sunday night. The book of Psalms is fantastic. It's like a collection of songs and, and, and poetry by a king called David and, and by others. Poetry and, and songs that describe the vibrant relationship between God and people who know him. Those that wrote the Psalms communicate praise to God. Uh, they try and seek to describe the beauty and awe of the one true God. They communicate joys of life and they praise God. And they communicate kind of life's hassles and then they praise God. We can learn so much from this book. Now in Psalm 97, our focus passage of tonight, we learn too a deep truth about the relationship between God and humanity. And for some, this truth is cause for rejoicing. But for others, it's cause for great concern. With this psalm, we are transported to a future time and place where the heavenly realm finally meets the earthly realm. The time and place, well, are transported there through this psalm and it's the, to the time when there will no longer be confusion about how visible people relate to the invisible God. So in this psalm, the psalmist describes the moment when all people will see God for who he really is. The powerful, just king of the universe. So that's why in verse 1, it's talking about the Lord reigns. Now we might not see it clearly now, um, although it is a reality. But we all know this at a future time and place. God reigns. And for many, this is cause for rejoicing because God rules with 
perfect justice. Well, let's get into it. The psalmist draws this poetic description, and it's an event of like cosmic proportions. It's massive, it's mind blowing. It's kind of like just right out there. The moment when a perfect and right God comes against the things that are in opposition. So let's look back on the the text again from verse 2. Clouds and thick darkness surround him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Fire goes before him, consuming his enemies on all sides. His lightning lights up the world and the earth trembles. The mountains melt like wax before the Lord, before the Lord of all the earth. The heavens proclaim his righteousness and everybody, all people, see his glory. God is bringing justice and it's a pretty descriptive, kind of amazing picture we're getting, would you agree? And it's a picture of judgment that will be powerful And it's a picture of what will happen. It will be judgment that's powerful and just and unescapable. You won't be able to escape this. The first image appears to be God reigning over the world, surrounded by clouds and thick darkness. Now, it's often the case in the Bible that we read about. When God appears to people, there is kind of a cloud there or he's hidden from view by by thick, dense cloud. So in Exodus chapter 19... Um, we hear of a moment when God uh, is speaking to a man called Moses who he used to lead his people out of um, captivity in Egypt. And he tells Moses in verse 9, I'm going to appear to you in a dense cloud. So, kind of happens in the Bible. God appears, dense cloud. Dense cloud must be God up there somewhere. The psalmist looks forward to a future time when God will powerfully appear again. So he looks back to Exodus and he knows how God appears, but now he's looking forward and he's going, wow, when God appears, this is a picture for you. And we know it's about God's um, administering justice because we, we get a preview. It's, we hear that the, the foundation of his throne is based on righteousness and justice. So the future judgment of God will not be unjust. It will be perfect and just. Um, God is right and just. My wife, Michelle, um, went to a school that still uses the cane. And there was one time when a friend of hers did something a little bit silly. And what happened was, uh, I don't know, I can't remember what he was doing. Ask Michelle for the full story. Um, and, the, and the principal's right behind, like this kid as he's kind of messing about. And the story goes that, like, this kid was doing the wrong thing and probably should have got scolded, kind of verbally yelled at, if you like. But the principal was having a really bad day. So the principal took this kid, took him to the, to the office and just caned him, gave him a good caning. It wasn't me. They reckon he didn't deserve it. But it was because this principal was having a bad day that he caned the kid. So we're being told here that God doesn't have a bad day when he acts unjustly. His rule is perfect. The foundation of his throne is righteousness and judgment. Well, as we continue to move through the first part of the psalm, we learn more about it, this future judgment. We read that fire, fire goes before him and consumes 
his foes or his enemies on every side. The image is of no escape. There's no escape for those people who are in opposition to God. No escape from judgment. The next part, his lightning lights up the world. The earth sees and trembles. We're getting a big picture of God. The presence of God will come with lightning, a lightning show like there has been never before. I don't know about you, but I really enjoy a good lightning show, a good thunderstorm. When the thunderstorms roll in, I like to kind of get a good vantage point. Safe, you know, so I don't get too fried. But then I like looking at it rolling in. And I, I like to kind of see that the lightning just crack the earth and I count, you know, because I'm working out sound travels at 333 metres per second, one second per, you know, maybe it's this many kilometres, just doing silly things like that. And then you hear the thunder, the clap of thunder. I like that. I enjoy that. But when the thunderstorm is right over the house, um, and you've probably all experienced it, when the, the lightning goes and instantaneously there's that clap of thunder. And I don't know how strong your houses are, but our rental property shakes, kind of shudders, you know. And it's like for a moment I'm going, whew, slightly scared there, you know, kind of regain composure a little bit. When God appears to judge the world, his lightning will light up the world and the whole earth will see and they will tremble. The earth will tremble. Well, it keeps going. The image keeps going. I wonder if you kind of think about it just for a moment, like how, how, would you, how are you faring at this stage? What do you think you'd be like at the future judgment? Maybe you want to hide somewhere. Well, if you want to hide behind the mountains... Kind of don't bother. The mountains melt like wax before God, before the Lord of all the world, before the Lord of all the earth. You would think rocks are strong and kind of stable, you know. You'd think the coming of God um, wouldn't kind of mess them up, perhaps. But when God judges the world, everything will be laid bare and you won't be able to hide anywhere. As a kid, um, I used to think that um, if, if someone invaded Australia, I would run up the bush behind my house if they started taking over it. I wasn't obviously very patriotic or courageous, but I thought, I'll go and hide in the mountains and I'll be all right. Because the mountains, they've got like lots of places to hide, haven't they? Kind of especially where um, the psalmist is speaking about. It's kind of a Osama bin Laden hiding place country, if you like. You know, it's hard to get there. There's no food. No one wants to go up to the mountains. So you can hide there. But here we have the mountains melting like wax. Can you imagine hiding in the mountains at this future time and you're standing there and there's just nothing but a little bit of wax at your feet? You cannot hide. You cannot escape. Because God's judgment is powerful, just and unescapable. Now, at this point, um, I don't want to kind of major on anything. I just want to put out there that there is a need for this future judgment um, because we find it throughout the whole, oh, lots of different places in the Bible. In a nutshell, the reason for this judgment is because people don't acknowledge God. Not everybody acknowledges God. 
If people ignore God, this is what is the cause of judgment. In the book of Romans, in God's Word, it talks about this. It talks about the coming, the, the anger of God over people who don't rightly acknowledge him. His wrath on those people. So in Romans chapter 1, it says, Since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men and women are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Here we have a picture from Romans and it's saying you can't plead ignorance. You can't plead ignorance that you never knew about God. You know, that we're getting judged for not responding rightly in worship of God. And this is saying everybody knows a bit about God. You ask any, Christian, any non-Christian or person just kind of whatever doesn't think much about God, if you ask them the question, Does there, do you think there's something out there? You know, like maybe something that oversees this amazing planet. Most people will say, yeah, I think there's something out there. I think there is something there. And this is saying that people see creation, people see the world, people see a bee land on a flower and the beauty of pollination or whatever it is that tickles your fancy, if you like, and they just go, that's proof enough for God. This is what Romans is saying. But because people don't worship him, they don't respond in worship, then they're guilty and they need judging. So God's future judgment, powerful, just and unescapable. Now I wonder what each of us as individuals are thinking now. You know, how do you think you'll respond when it happens? You know, it might not happen very soon at all. It might happen like, you know, far beyond our lives. It might happen tomorrow though. But what do you think your response will be when kind of you're laid bare before God and God's asking you about your life. How will you respond? How will you respond? Well, the psalmist hopefully will help us in our thinking because the psalmist presents two responses, two responses that people will have when it happens. And it appears that the way people respond will depend on which side of God they're on. If they're on the right side of God, or if they're on the wrong side of God. So the first response we hear about, the first one, is the wrong side of God in verse 7. So if you have your Bibles, you can look at it with me. And it says, All who worship images are put to shame. Those who boast in idols, same, put to shame. Worship him, all you gods. Here are people who are on the wrong side of God. They're on the wrong side of God because they do not worship God. They don't acknowledge him for who he really is and worship him. What they're doing is they're actually acknowledging images and they're boasting about how amazing idols are. Here the psalmist is talking about people who have chosen, instead of worshipping God, to worship man-made false gods. Little objects made of wood or silver or gold or rock or whatever. Now that probably sounds to us in this building a little bit silly. I can't really see anyone here in their right mind worshipping this kind of thing. 
Imagine if a friend of yours, a friend of yours comes up to you. They're not kind of any way spiritual. And they come up to you and they go, I'm thinking about getting spiritual. You go, cool, that's a good sign. You know, and they say, I found this um, nice block of red gum. And I've got this friend, this other guy, who's got a lathe. And they're going to lathe me up. A nice little object, kind of idle thing. And I'm going to like talk to it and, and worship it. Yeah, I'm getting spiritual. And I'm going to ask it to lead my life. I'm getting spiritual, so I'm putting my faith in a block of wood. doesn't quite do it for me. For us, though, we could equally insert other man-made gods into this verse. We could put the man-made god of self into this picture. Or money. Or work. For many of us in this church tonight, these are potential gods that we may trust in or put our faith in. So let's go again at this verse. All who worship money, or trust in money, honour money, are put to shame. Those who boast in themselves, trust in themselves, we put to shame as well. Worship him, all you gods. These people who are in the wrong side of God, those who don't worship him, what is their response? This is what I'm really after. What is their response? They are put to shame. A response of shame. Have you ever looked up a dictionary to see exactly what shame means? It's got a very interesting definition. Here it is. Shame. A painful feeling following the realisation that one has said or done something dishonourable, improper or stupid. Oh, I kind of like that definition. I'm not sure about you. I'll read it again. Maybe a few times because I like it so much. A painful feeling following the realisation that one has said or done something dishonourable, improper or stupid. And I know this definition. It kind of rings true with me. If I look back at my life, this shame thing, I'm familiar with shame. I don't know about you. Once I was in a, a, like a composite class, grade four, five and six. I was in grade four. And I remember that teacher went out for a moment. For a little, so for a little while, a little bit of hell broke loose in that class. And I can remember these people were running the mark and just kind of talking to each other and and someone said something and I thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pay out on this person. This must have been before I became a believer. And, um, and so I went up to the board and I kind of like, this, you know, and everyone was watching me, this bold little grade four kid walking up to the chalkboard knowing I was standing and I wrote wrong on the board, you know, just to, I don't know how it related, but it was trying to pay someone else out. And as I walked back to, the, <laughs> to my little desk, everyone started laughing, so I thought it was a hit. Um, but they weren't laughing at me paying this person out, actually laughing at me. Because I'd spelt wrong, R-O-N-G. <laughs> shame. I felt shame that day. You're fine, I am. Those who are on the wrong side of God, at the future judgment, will experience a very painful feeling following the realisation that they have done something very very stupid. Shame. Because they've chosen to worship everything else but the one true God. 
And that will become very clear. And in verse 3, fire goes before him and consumes his foes on every side. Let's not even talk about that consequence, apart from the shame. So the first response is the response of shame for those who have wrongly ignored God. But there's another response. We're kind of warming up to the good bit here, you know. It's the response of rejoicing for those people who are on the right side of God. This is the response we want to have at the future judgment of God. And there is a way of being uh, certain that you will be on the right side of God at this future time when God judges the world. In verse 8 we read, Zion hears and rejoices, and the villages of Judah are glad because of your judgments, O Lord. Zion, the city of Jerusalem, the city which is uh, kind of the Old Testament, the capital of, uh, of God's people. And Judah is the, the region where God's people were dwelling before the time of Jesus. This represents, in the psalm, people who are right on the right side of God, people who are righteous before God. So this is the, the place where people are supposed to acknowledge God for who he is. And the right response is worship. And these people on the right side of God, they rejoice. They rejoice. These people actually know. They personally know the one who is judging the world. They know, verse 9, that God is the most high over all the earth. They know that God, Yahweh, is higher, more powerful, truer than any other so-called God. Those on the right side of God rejoice because they will be vindicated. They will be proved right. Even though, like many of us here, we'll go through times of suffering this side of the judgment. Verse 11 is cause for rejoicing. Light is shed upon the righteous and joy on the upright in heart. Blessings from God. God wants to lead you. He wants to guide you. He wants to deliver us from the hand of the wicked. And the righteous will get to spend both now and all eternity with God in the presence of a just and powerful and unescapable but a perfect, deep, deep loving God. God who sets us free, satisfies our every need. I wonder which response you resonate with. Uh, will you rejoice or will you feel shame at this point? Well, the good news of tonight is that if you're not sure, but you want to be in the crowd that's rejoicing, then you can be. You can even be sure of that tonight. You can get on the right side of God. There is a way of becoming righteous. And I love it. The thing about Christianity, it's so fair. It's such a, a, a kind of a, a flat playing field. It's not unevenly tilted. Because everyone, everyone here needs the same way of getting the right side of God. I mean, it doesn't even matter if you've been to church all your life. It doesn't even matter if you've come here for the first time tonight. If you want to be on the right side of God, we all have the same need. And there is only one way 
of getting on the right side of God. In Romans 1.17, chapter 1, verse 17, it tells about this righteousness. And I hope you're thinking, I want to be on the right side of God. I want to be righteous. It says, a righteousness from God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith. This is good news. This is good news. Faith in what? Well, a little further on in chapter 3, it says, this righteousness from God, here and now, comes through faith in Jesus Christ. To all who believe, there is no difference. Good news. It doesn't matter who you are. You need only this very night turn from ignoring God, from rejecting God, from not giving him appropriate honour and worship and turn to God and just plead for forgiveness and put your faith in Jesus Christ who has the power to forgive and to make you right before God. The one who will judge the world and it all seems a bit harsh at the start but he's gracious and merciful. He's provided a way for us to find forgiveness from a life lived ignoring him. It's amazing stuff, worth contemplating. You know, I, um, I initially chose this psalm to preach on because I wanted to spend some time thinking about how amazing and big our God is. That's why I chose the psalm. I want us to just to think how great and marvellous is our big God. That was my purpose for doing it. I wanted us to kind of think about that. <clears throat> I didn't honestly expect tonight to be preaching on judgment, the future judgment, judgment of the world. That was a great surprise to me when I started kind of studying this passage. But just kind of think for a moment. Do you think it's amazing what we're talking about, that God is going to judge the world? Everyone in it, everyone that has ever lived a life on this planet, everyone who will ever live a life on this planet, God is going to judge at some point in time. And the, the time he does it, it's going to be pretty scary, obviously. But he's going to go, for those people who have not acknowledged me or worshipped me as God and lived a life for yourself or whatever, you're over here. And then on the other side, he's just going to say, okay, for those of you people who actually recognised your shame for choosing the wrong way and actually said, help, I need help, I'm sorry, God, please help me, Jesus, you can go over here. You're on the right side of God. Don't you think it's amazing that there is really no difference between these two here? The only difference is these people who recognise that they needed to worship God, that they needed to be made right, to have their shame taken away. That's all the difference is. I'm amazed about that. All, if you here tonight have made a decision to follow Jesus, that's praise God. But you've received a free ticket, you know. That's all that stands us, stands us apart from being on the wrong side of God. That, to me, is like... It makes me want to drop to my knees and worship God. It makes me just want to cry out before him and say, thank you so much. Thank you so much 
thank you so much. I have nothing to stand on apart from righteousness in Jesus Christ. And you know, then the perk, the perk is we get to have a relationship with God every day. And we get to pray to God and we get to say, thanks God, you're amazing. And he smiles on us and he shines his light on us every day for the rest of our life. And then we die and we get to be in eternity with this amazing God. I hope it provokes you to worship. In Jesus only are we made righteous. How are you feeling? How are you feeling now? Do you want to cry out and worship God? Do you want to, you know, kind of talk to someone and go, oh, I don't know much about this, I still want to investigate, but, you know, something's twigged. You know, kind of, we've got to act. It's either act in worship, you know, reject God, sure, do that, but know what's going to happen. Or it's keep tossing it around, keep thinking seriously about about being on the right side of God. To go back to the police metaphor at the beginning of the message, when God pulls you over and your life is kind of finished, and he walks up beside your car, I don't know how that would be, if he'd kind of levitate or whatever, but he's about to hold you accountable for how you have treated him. If you want to be looking into the face of your friend and God, get on the right side of God by putting your trust and faith every day in Jesus Christ. God is good. May he be praised and glorified through our lives. Let's pray.